Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Andy Moore on the Motor Group Hotline. As he's shocked, we'll bring him in. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, is with us. When's the last time you had a Big Mac? Mm, man. 1998 maybe like middle school yeah it's been about it's never, been about 30 never, years never for me a, never really was a big big mac guy uh i always like growing up i always got like i always went for if i was hungry i went for quantity over quality at yep. mcdonald's i got like the the, the double cheeseburger the yeah. two cheeseburger meal right that seemed yeah. a better play because back then the double cheeseburger was 99 cents on their menu yeah so you go with that <laughs> I, I will say this there's there's a timeline that somebody can look up i have not had a big mac since their sandwiches were in styrofoam containers that's the last time i had a big mac it was in a styrofoam container are they not anymore nah they're in they've been in cardboard or paper or whatever the hell that is for years now i think but that, somebody could find wow. the timetable on it. So it would at least be back to that transition because of evil styrofoam to our planet. So that's the last that's time the right last, there. I, I remember the styrofoam. Yeah, because you used to put your fries. It was it was a great fry container. That's when they yeah. wanted you to sit there and eat. But now, now what they want to do, they said, all right, we want you to come in here, buy our food, and get the hell out. We don't want you sitting here. <laughs> I, 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 maybe I had the cardboard, but I, I remember like the the foldable, like it folded over, mm. and then you, yeah, you did. You put your you, yeah. you, you put your fries on the other half of it, and then it's like a tray. Yeah, yes, yeah. That that housed your ketchup and the whole setup there. I do. I have to tell you, we were coming back from spring break uh, about two weeks ago, and we went to Florida, so we're driving back. And we got lucky. The kids were in the back of the car. They're getting restless, naturally. And we stopped at McDonald's just north of Nashville. And we got lucky. They had one of those, like, indoor playscapes. Like, we didn't plan it that way, but we got lucky. So the kids got out of the car. They kind of stretched their legs. They played in the indoor playground there in McDonald's in Nashville. And we sat there for, like, maybe a half an hour just to let them play. And just, it was in the middle of the day on a Friday, maybe, like, at 2 o'clock, so, like, a late lunch. Like, I just wanted to count the number of customers, even then, even like in a non-peak yeah. time, the number of customers that were in and out, to your point, of McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, just the number of customers on a daily basis the average McDonald's gets. Yes. It's just a gold mine. They just print money. It is. I, there's no, there's nothing like a Chick-fil-A. Is there ever a time? Oh and And <laughs> with those many vehicles and that much chaos going on, it is amazing. What do they find these teenagers that can execute this plan like they do? Right. And all of them. It's incredible. And they seem to be they seem to be a cut above in terms of uh politeness and you know just being I don't know what the right word is, you know, cognitive and uh you know respectful and but the thing is like we make fun of like it's down the street all oh, they're putting in a, another McDonald's. What yeah. do we need another McDonald's for? Well, guess what? People go and people will, you know, funnel in and out of that thing like a factory. So we make fun of it, but yet we still do it. And, yep. and they're putting it there for a reason. It's amazing. I mean, even now, because clearly they don't want you coming. They just say, okay, we're going to make this as impersonal of a process as possible. <laughs> you go, <laughs> there's no human contact whatsoever. So get your bag of food and get the hell out of Dodge. That's what we want right. you to and, do. And, and now you don't even need to do that because you can order ahead on the app, and that yeah. way you don't have to talk to anybody. You just go in there and pick up your bag and leave. That's, that's that. By the way, in 1990 is when McDonald's transitioned from styrofoam containers. So it has been wow. my Big Mac consumption has been at least all the way back <laughs> to 1990. So Yeah, I think I probably had the cardboard then. But I do remember the you fold it over, and then you house the, the ketchup and the fries on the other half of it. That was genius. Yeah, well, I mean, they've had great, like the McDLT, remember? 
Hot on the hot side, cold on the cold side. That was brilliant. No, no. See, I didn't do any weird sandwiches. <laughs> I, I I go to McDonald's for one thing and one thing only. I'm playing the hits. I'm not getting right. the McRib, right? I'm not getting the McFlurry. I'm not getting anything with MC in front of it unless it's a burger. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, you don't want to get the... Uh, I'm not getting the McFish. The fish, I'm not yeah. doing that. Yeah, see yeah. ya. Yeah, I get it. I, listen, I don't know why. If you're in what south of Nashville or north of Nashville, did you say on your way home from spring break? Yeah, we were just a little bit north of Nashville. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be a, a regional spot that you can't get around here. That's what vacations for. You can get a McDonald's around here. That's got to be like a Whataburger or a Crystal, or and I know that's the same as Rallies. Or no, I'm sorry, the same as White Castle. That's you know that's going to be a Bojangles, something like that. Hey, Whataburger to me, my experience from Whataburger and. I've only had it maybe like one time, and that yeah. was five, six years ago. But that, that to me was a little bit be- like a step up above Burger King. Have you had that same experience? I, I liked it down there, but it doesn't take too much for me, buddy. I just thought, hey, I'm a water burger. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't take too much. I was, I was digging it. Did you hear Lance McAllister on the show the other day? No, I heard you talking about having a mom, but I didn't hear it. Going off on the Reds and their bullpen. Can you imagine? Like, I will say this about them. I, I, I have fun Watch. They're a fun group to watch until they show the bullpen. And then it just makes you want to vomit. That's when it really goes back to being the Red Legs baseball that we so much hate right is when they go to the bullpen but there are other aspects of this team that i think are really enjoyable and i'm the most pessimistic of those that are pessimistic about it and that's been reds baseball for the last four years seemingly it's been fun and enjoyable at the at the beginning of the season for the first seven innings until they go to the bullpen i mean how many how many more games already should they have won i mean they're four and seven four they should have at least have four more wins to this point. The bullpen has blown, what, six games, I think, or that's have directly contributed to six losses, I think. Been right there for it. You know, they they blew the two games against Philly. Uh, They blew three straight games, losing by one run to the Braves, getting swept in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, listen, this team's not going to – contend for anything significant don't get me wrong like i'm not trying to go there but i mean how much longer do they just continue to seemingly not address it and if you don't address it adequately it just means you're either you you don't know what you're doing or you don't care and that's what's frustrating as a reds fan is like it's just yeah the the rebuild is you're you're you you continue to hit the reset button and i i understand like the dynamics of baseball I'm not naive to that, but like, give me something to get somewhat excited about before they're mathematically done by the time we get to Mother's Day. Yeah. And that's yeah. just, it's been a long time. It really, I mean. Depressing. It is depressing. I just, I mean, I, I've, I've got, I've got a little bit to double back. We were on spring break and I looked at my wife. I said, tomorrow's opening day. Like, no fanfare, no hype. It's just like, oh, here it is. And, yeah, two weeks in, you know, we're already having these, uh, you know, team team wide uh, epidemics in the bullpen. Yeah, that's exactly what Lance McAllister was talking about, and he was irate over the bullpen and the fact that the last three years it's been the same old thing. And he brought yep. up the fact that if there is the the easiest place to really do some work and get better is that of the bullpen, and the refusal of either you know ownership to allow it or Nick Crawl to to do it execute right. it recognize it whatever I mean it it's depressing especially when you look at their their positional players especially I like mm-hmm. like I didn't start out knowing like two of them but now I watch them and I go, man, these guys, they can be fun to watch. And they go at it so hard and they're right there. You know, you tie or you take a lead and then the bullpen comes right. in and screws everything over. Right. I mean, they're going to score on average about four runs a game, hopefully more than that, you know, on a, on a night-to-night basis. But, yeah, I mean, they, they've had plenty of output offense where they should have a better record than they already do to this point. And that's what's frustrating is – uh, again, there was a complete overreaction to the pandemic, in my opinion. Now, it's easy for me to say that. It's not my money, right? It's not my franchise. I'm not looking at the budget sheet, and I'm not looking at all these negative numbers. But guess what? Every other small market team in baseball was in the same situation 
and the Reds seem to have overreacted more so than than most teams. Yeah. Um, they they could have competed a couple years ago post pandemic with the team that they had with the payroll that they were they were paying those players and they chose to just blow it up and start to rebuild and and but that's what we've been doing we've been rebuilding since 2014 and we're uh, nine years into it so not really fun man. It's uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, and we'll get to that in the draft coming up in two weeks from tonight. In fact, in just a second, but Kyle Farmer. The past couple of years have been one of my favorite Reds to watch. I mean, he goes out there and he plays hard every single time he's out there. Did you see him get hit in the face by that pitch yesterday? Yeah. That yeah. was brutal. Yeah. Brutal. I mean, and Jonathan India is a guy that, I mean, what, what more do you want? He plays his guts out every single timeout. He's a great uh, defender. He's a great leadoff guy. He says all the right things. I mean, there's a bunch of guys on this team right now. I, I have to commend him for – building offensively the right way and the farm system seems to be uh doing well and they have plenty of reserves there but like how many how many times have we heard that like when when is that going to come to fruition that's that's what's so frustrating as a reds fan is like you just keep hearing about the the future and the pipeline and in 2023 we're going to be pretty good in 2000 no now it's 2025 or just wait till 2027 i mean i'm with you i'm pretty soon i'm going to be disenfranchised and not interested and not care and well, not hell, i'm gonna be it. dead so yeah i mean i gotta <laughs> we gotta hustle something up here <laughs> <laughs> no question <laughs> uh, ladolo by the way gets the ball for the rest of the night as they take on the phillies at 640 at great american ballpark it's matt taylor with us um uh, so what have you learned in your preparations for that first draft night on thursday when there, there should be as we're looking i guess nobody really truly knows because that is absolutely true but the assumption here is it's going to be one of those signature moments here in colts history as far as what they're probably going to do at quarterback for the long term here what are your thoughts and that work that you've done in preparation for that two weeks from tonight yeah, it's going to be exciting, and it's certainly interesting, and you have no idea how this is going to go. I mean, if you like drama, if you like reality TV, just watch the draft uh, two weeks from tonight because, I mean, I think the Arizona Cardinals there at three are just hoping that quarterbacks, uh, you know, either either the, the top quarterback and Bryce Young goes off the board, and then, heck, maybe the Texans decide to not take a pick, which gives them even more leverage there at three. But they're certainly going to be open for business between now and, and, uh, you know, two Thursdays from now. And, um, you know, the Colts, I think, are, are they're still going through this process. I mean, Shane Steichen said yesterday they're still, uh, you know, overturning all the stones and watching all the tape again. Now they're having top 30 visits with these quarterbacks after the combine and after their pro days and after their private workout. So it's just, a, you know, another step and part of this process. And right now they're just trying to get to know these guys on a personal level and, Try to figure out what makes them tick. Do they have that obsessive nature about football that they want? The guy that hates to lose the most. That's going to be the biggest leader inside the locker room. Sort of those intangible things that you can't measure, but you just know it when you see it. That's what the Colts are looking for. And I think, personally, I think that's what's going to separate, um, you know, guy three or guy, you know, guy two from three or guy three from four, if you will and would make the Colts convicted to go from four to three in a trade with Arizona. That's what I think would have to separate uh, these quarterbacks. There has to be a pretty good gap between guys three or four, let's say, if it's Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, that intangible part of the process, that gap would have to be pretty wide, in my opinion, for the Colts to be uh, in a position to trade up and, and give up assets to go from four to three. To me, that would tell me they're pretty convicted, they're pretty convinced that they have the right guy that fits them, fits their culture, um, and is the perfect guy intangible-wise to come in and learn and develop and and ultimately become that that face of the franchise and that long-term quarterback answer they've been looking for. Yeah, no no doubt about that. I I just, to me, I know that there are a lot of different things, and I will give it up to them. There's been nothing. I mean, nothing, and really not even any of these rumors that sometimes you see when you're drafting this high, like the Colts are presently at number four, in terms of misdirections or smoke screens. I'm not suggesting they throw it out there, but there's really been nothing 
talked about regarding them sitting at four right now. And that that normally, if you're drafting that high, that's highly unusual, at least from what we've seen mm-hmm. in drafts of the past. Yeah, I mean, I think they're pretty open-minded right now, but they're also, you know, they know how important this is. You know, Chris Ballard and Ed Dodds, his right-hand man, and then the personnel staff, uh, they all understand the, the magnitude of this situation and how important this decision is could possibly be. I mean, we've been saying it all along. This entire offseason has been about foundation and hitting the reset button and, you know, kind of a launching pad for the next five to seven to ten years, um, depending on how this goes. And they got half of the equation right, I think, in, in the head coach and Shane Steichen here. I think he's the perfect guy in terms of scheme, um, in terms of uh, holding guys accountable and just being that young uh, breath of fresh air that I think this franchise needed considering where they've been and, and how they got there. Uh, but then the other half of this equation is getting the quarterback situation right. And it was, they could do a million things. I mean, they could sit there at four. They could trade up to three. They could take a quarterback at four. They can move back and take a quarterback somewhere else in the draft. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we were down there at uh, at O'Reilly's on St. Patrick's Day. I mean, there's all of these different things still in play. Teams might be trying to leapfrog the Colts, uh, moving up to three and then get in front of Indianapolis there to, to pick a quarterback. That'll throw some chaos into the front of the draft. I mean, so I, I still think they, they're, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, because they've had all this time to try to figure this out, but I think they're still using these final two weeks to set their board, uh, to make their final, you know, lasting impressions of these guys and, you know, move guys up and down, move some names up and down the draft board and, and, and just using all of the time that they have at their disposal to make sure they get this right. So I think in that sense, they, there's still some uh, things to, to hash out and some clarity to find and um, just trying to make sure they get this right and do their due diligence all the way up until next Thursday night when the lights come on and they have to you know turn that, uh, that final answer in to, uh, to Roger Goodell. It's uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. We're going to get to what you guys are going to be doing and how you're going to handle draft night and the draft in general coming up in just a minute. But I had Gardner Minshew on the show yesterday. I'm assuming you've had him on and you've interviewed him, you know, for a podcast or for the website over there. Uh, if so, what'd mm-hmm. you think? Because I, I enjoyed it. And he was a dude that I thought that I could talk to for at least an hour and he'd be cool if I kept him for at least an hour, especially if it was like non-football related stuff. Yeah, no, it's funny you say that. We, we, we're we actually, we, we just started it today and we're going to bank him uh, and then save him and, and uh, put him out later this off season when things kind of slow down a little bit, but we're, we're starting a podcast series. Exactly that it's, uh, it's called the person behind the pads and it's literally anything but football, everything but football. We're not allowed to talk about football stuff and he's on our list. He's on our list of guys to bring back and, right. just, you know, shoot, shoot the breeze with and, and find out what makes him tick. And uh, would love to find, you know, spend an hour with him and just talk about, you know, how he became Gardner Minshew, right? Everybody understands what I mean by that. Like, how did he become this laid-back, cool persona guy? Because that's exactly, you know, who he is and who he was when we talked to him, you know, about a month ago when he signed with the Colts in free agency. I mean, he came in that day, and he signed a, a professional NFL contract, and he came in wearing a hoodie and, like, biker shorts and, like, a, a sailor's cap. I mean, he's just a cool guy. Like, he's just down to earth and – uh, was laid back and was very respectful, but just like like you said, a guy you want to hang out with, maybe drink a beer with, play some cornhole, and just hang out and get to know him a little bit better, um, you know, outside of, of the white line, so to speak. So looking forward to those. And, yeah, Gardner Minshew is on our list of, of guys to, to come back so Colts fans can get a, a better idea of, you know, who they are, how they got to be in the NFL, and just sort of what makes them tick personality-wise. Yeah, he's a guitarist. I think it's more of a bluesy type of guitarist, but he is certainly 
a guitarist. I think he brought up John Mayer. He he loves Dead and Company, so he loved the Grateful Dead. And then I brought up our right. friend Brett Halverson, who's a huge, maybe the biggest around here, Grateful Dead fan, and his place at Mystic Waters up at I sixty nine. And I I told him I said, hey man, we got to at some point when you got time off and it gets warmer consistently in the summertime, we got to get you up there. We got to have some sort of party at Mystic Waters up there <laughs> off of I sixty nine. And he was down with that. He's just a yeah. he's a good dude, man. He's a good dude beyond football. I think that's part of it right now because I, I can tell from my audience that we have absolutely dissected this Colts pick at number four and the possibilities so much that there's a bit of wear and tear there. So that type of conversation yesterday, I think, mm-hmm. means more to the audience to just kind of get away for a moment regarding Colts football than anything else. And he was perfect for that. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story to tell. And it's it's all about finding, you know, what that story is and what their angle is. I mean, you don't get to the NFL on accident, right? So find out, you know, their their life story and the adversity they've been through and their trials and tribulations. And, uh, again, just that adversity that they've inevitably had to overcome to, to sacrifice time and, and sweat and energy to, to get to the, the highest point in their profession. So stories like that, man, are awesome. Plus, you know, when you kind of just strip them again of their pads and take the helmet off and all that, like they're just people. And that's what I appreciate most about the job that I have, you know, working, you know, uh, with the team and being around the team. Like I'm I'm probably not going to like, I'm going to keep it a a business relationship with these guys. You know, I'm probably not going to like, text them in the middle of the night and, and uh, try to, you know, get together for beers on a Saturday night after a game or anything. But you get to know these guys, right? right? You get to be inside the locker room and you get to know them and you get to find out about their families and you get to talk about their kids. I mean, these are they're just people. They're human beings that obviously are in the world and they make millions of dollars, rightfully so. But if you just take all of that away – they're no different than me. They're no different than you and, and your audience. And they just want to hang out and, 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 and be treated like normal people because that's what they are. But they just have to happen to be you know, freak athletes that are incredibly good at the game of football. All right. So how are you guys handling that initial draft night to Thursday night when things are really, and I mean really early, going to go down from Kansas City? How are you guys handling the coverage? Yeah, it's going to be nuts. So we're going to be live. We're going to start Thursday night of the draft. First round, we're going to start at 7. First round is going to start at 8 in terms of the picks. So we're going to be live. We're going to be doing pick-by-pick coverage and analysis. We're bringing that back this year. And so we're going from – Who's we, by the way? Who's with you? Who's with you? Yeah, so it'll be Rick Venturi and I on – excuse me, Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights, and I on Thursday. And we're going to be coming to you from the the Colts – season ticket member draft party. So that's going to be inside the indoor facility, the practice facility uh, at the Colts complex. They're going to, um, you know, have to have all the season ticket members there watching the draft, hanging out, a lot of interactive stuff, hanging out in the indoor facility. So we're going to be rocking out that night there, uh, horn to horn coverage uh, all night long, start at seven, go until the first round's over. Obviously, be going to be reflecting big time throughout the course of the night on what the Colts do at four, or you know, depending on what they do, trading up, trading back. So we'll have all of that for you all night long. And then Friday night, we'll do the same thing. Coverage on Friday night starts at seven. That'll just be Rick and I from the studio inside the Colts complex. Uh, but same thing, talking big time about what they do at, at picks 35, talk about what they do in round number three. And then between it all, we'll talk about what's going on elsewhere in the draft, uh, pick-by-pick coverage. we got a bunch of draft profiles ready. We're going to tap into Rick's brain all night long. He's got the skinny on all of these guys. And so I'll be your setup man. I'll be running point guard like Mark Jackson back in the day. So really looking forward to it. And then we got our draft party elsewhere off-site for all the fans. And those are going to be at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings location scattered around town. There's a draft party going on at the B-Dubs in Indianapolis on East 62nd Street. Yep. Uh, there's going to be a party in Greenwood, the Buffalo Wild Wings on Emerson Avenue, uh, the Buffalo Wild Wings in Plainfield, and the B-Dubs up in Westfield. All of those uh, locations, those Buffalo Wild Wings locations, are going to have draft party events. Uh, Gary Brackett's going to be at the party in Indy. Marlon Jackson's going to be down in Greenwood. 
Uh, don't know yet about the the player in Plainfield. There's going to be a player there. Uh, just don't know who that's going to be just yet. But then Jack Doyle is going to be up in Westfield. So those parties are going to start at 7 o'clock at those respective Buffalo Wild Wings locations. Thursday night of the draft, that's April 27th. So get out there, enjoy the draft, uh, get some autographs, hang out, and see what the Colts decide to do, man, with this huge decision they have to make. Mm. Well, that's going to be some fun. I can't wait to hear Rick. I haven't heard from him in a while. I'm assuming he's been doing work. I haven't bugged he's him. Been, yeah, he's been in the uh, he's been in the chamber. He's been down in the <laughs> down in the <laughs> the film room, uh, coming up for air once in a while. But yeah, he's back in town. He's back from his Florida hiatus. So always good to have Rick back in the fold. We'll have him back on the website next week, previewing the draft. And then Thursday, Friday, man, he's the star of the show. He's so such I'm a great resource. And and I think oh, I yeah. told you this. Maybe I told the audience this, too, but before Chris Ballard was on with me and at the Combine, and you were right across from us where we were, I I thought because Chris had talked to the local media, and you know this, literally 10 minutes before he came on with me, and I thought, man, the one thing I don't want to do with this is just ask the same questions that they did. Nothing against them. I just wanted to go a different direction for the audience paying attention here, so I called him, and I said, tell me, what you would want to hear. Tell me what you would want to ask. And mm-hmm. he is such a valuable resource when it comes to that. He was great. Yep. And I do the same thing. I do the same thing. And we put our heads together, you know, it, whether it's uh, right after the game in the radio booth, uh, you know, we have to do that Monday night show together. And so we'll put our heads together either at a home game or, you know, what what I typically love is like the, the plane ride home. You know, we have that entire flight home to, sit and sketch up what we're going to do the following night and talk about the different angles and who's playing well and what what needs to be cleaned up and how we need to approach it and the takes that we need to have so that that's what i really enjoy about rick on top of the games um it's just that that dialogue that i get learning about football from him and i think that's why we get along so well rick and i and and certainly you and rick as well i think i think we kind of all see the game the same way and we prioritize things um, similarly, if you will. And that, that's why I think we have good you know, rapport and good synergy within the booth is we kind of see the game the same way. I know his strengths. I know what he's thinking before he even, <laughs> before he even comes out of his mouth. So I'm able to kind of set him up that way. And so we just, we just have a lot of fun, man. We really do. It's uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. And again, draft coverage is going to begin at 7 o'clock. That is two weeks from this evening. Two weeks from this evening with their draft coverage and of course, whatever I'm doing, I'll lead you right into that, and we will have a blast. And that is going to be not only on a Thursday for the first round, number four as we sit here right now, but for the remainder of the weekend with the Colts Draft 2023 right here. Matt and Rick and Joe Wrights, it should be a fantastic time. Matt, as always, I appreciate that, and uh, we'll check in again before you guys get set and ready two weeks from tonight. And uh, be good to go to see what happens, man. It should be great nonetheless. But we'll check in again soon. Yeah, man. I'm excited about it. I'm ready for it to be here because I'm yes. I'm drafted out. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it, man. Enjoy your next Big Mac, by the way. It should be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might do that now that I put myself on the spot with it. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. All right, man. Be well. On the end. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. More Automotive Group Hotline, CBS 4 and Fox 59. I don't know how many festivals they have planned in Beach Grove, but I bet there's a great deal of celebration and walking around the town the last three days with the weather they're having over there, too, right? A lot of people walking around. Incredible time. But the, the bad part is I've got to go cut the rental property on Friday or Saturday. If, if the weather holds off, I'll do it Saturday. And that's all, it always tells me it springs here when I get it. i got to cut the blasted grass. Yeah. You're not a big fan of cutting the grass? No. Ah, it's it's all right. I've got a riding mower. It takes me about two hours with trimming. So, you know, it, it's, it gets me away from my phone. So that's not all bad. 
so how much how much acreage are you cutting that it takes you two hours? Is that right? It takes you two my hours wife, because a lot of trimming going on? My wife and her brother own these properties together, and it's about six, five and a half, six acres with two houses on it. I cut like a third of it. Okay. It, it takes me an hour and 45 minutes, and then if, I, if I'm in the trimming mood, another 20 minutes. See, I'm. I want it. Cool. Holy I, crap! What? You all right? I, I'm sitting on my front porch, and two squirrels just ran by. Holy smokes! <laughs> Crazy little varmints. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, see, we, we, I thought that there was. Do- I thought that there was like a wreck or something. I mean, you well, stopped and you had that. I, I, you had I, that I, dramatic pause after. Holy crap! Two I squirrels would, just run by. I would prefer a wreck on the street than two squirrels running under my feet. We we have they they ran over your feet. To, you had two squirrels. Ran, oh, they ran over your feet right, right there. See, we're the people that AT and T linemen hate because we we feed squirrels and then the squirrels stick around <laughs> and they climb up and they chew on wires. And but we've got squirrels that are very very aggressive, and if you don't feed them peanuts, uh, you got hell to pay. So, do you not have any peanuts with you right now? No, I stopped. I, I stopped by Damon's on Emerson and got me, you know, three pounds of peanut shelled peanuts. And we, the other day we were again. They come right to the door, and you try to get out the door, and they're right there on their hind end looking at you. And we had nothing. We had nothing for them. And this one jumped up on the door and was hanging by the little ledge. And I'm thinking, you know, buddy, if you let me out of here, I'll go get you some peanuts. But so I, you just got to keep yourself loaded with peanuts, or you have hell to pay. I am. Um, I assume they're called squirrels for a reason. It's not because they're logical thinkers, right? Yeah, and I, I tell you, I remember back when I lived in Anderson. Somehow we had a squirrel get in the house, and it took forever to get a squirrel out of the house. And I'd hate <laughs> with the rooms we have here. If we let a squirrel get in, it would just move in. It would kill my cat, and then we'd have a pet squirrel. Man. Squirrels, rabid squirrels yeah, in Beach Grove. Blame Mike Chapel for feeding them peanuts all the time. You AT and T folks out there, they're mad at you. We had we had a guy and, and he was we were having trouble and he went up on the line and said, "Yeah, these squirrels." He said, "These damn squirrels, they chew a hole." And he saw we had peanuts out on our back porch and I said, "Yeah, we tend to feed them." He said, "Don't feed those," and you know we still feed them. I um my my I'm from the country right so uh, my uh my neighbor uh, and I say neighbor like it's not as close as it is in Beach Grove it's like down the road down the gravel road uh used right. to hunt squirrels uh, I mean I Ooh. I've never had squirrel meat I never want squirrel meat but he would hunt squirrels and eat like them for what uh, with a gun with like a 22 or something like that yeah man, I think he'd blow it apart I, I would I, mean, I would yeah but he, he was he, he was a squirrel that. hunter. Just like I think Jed wow. Clampett was a squirrel hunter too, so there's a connection yeah, yeah. to be made right there. I think I was, I was a neighbor with Jed Clampett. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm not a big rifle shoot squirrel things and all that, but you know, yeah. hey, if it's, I've never it's, owned it's a gun. Good. You know what? I've never owned a gun. I've never really I, I shot never one. Have. Yeah, hey, I've never had yeah, any interest. Yeah. yeah. We, we we could do a show on that and really lose listeners. And no, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mean to do that. I'm just I, like I grew nope. up in a place where hunting is certainly popular and valued, and I've right. never done it right. one time, not once. I I used to go out with my brother, and he 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 was born way too late because he he would be a a, a frontiersman. He's gone over friends out in Utah and Montana and hunt elk with bows. I mean, he he's one of those guys. Not me. I, you know, if I go fishing and they don't bite after like five minutes, I'm gone. I just, and some people can sit there all day. I just haven't been much of an outdoorsman. That's just the way it is, I guess. I'd probably do fishing. I don't know if I'd like fishing around here. I'm sorry, Calvin Fitch is listening somewhere, not liking this. I, maybe I would in the <laughs> summertime when it's warm, but I could get down with fishing, for example, on the Gulf of Mexico. I really want to do that. And I always say that, that I'm going to. Here's what happens. I always say when I go on vacation, I haven't been in a while, but when I went on vacation in the past, I'd say, yep, you know what? I'm going out on the golf and I'm fishing. And then I would end up turning the music up loud and getting drunk and passing out in the pool and never getting out there. That's my entire vacation. For me to go fishing like that, I, I normally, I've been on party boats a couple of times where there's like 50 of you and you all got your lines hanging over. And that's not fishing. That's just 
that's not. But uh, I could maybe go out on a boat with three or four guys, and as long as they're biting, I just don't sit there. And you can only shoot the bull for so long, <laughs> then you you know at least have the have the have the line tug or something. So yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we got to get this conversation in regarding the Colts before the squirrels get more angry than they are right I, now. I, 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 I'm on a high alert right now, so we'll be okay. I might have to make that holy crap squirrel into a nice promo for you right there that you'll enjoy. It, it reminded me of Chevy Chase and uh, <laughs> what with John Candy where the squirrel jumped on him. So, you know. Yeah, well, that's a, the, uh, that was a Christmas vacation when the squirrel was in their, their Christmas tree. Yeah, John Candy was a bats in, in the in the cabin. Yeah, so <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Um, it, what are you thinking about? Two weeks from tonight, they're going to make that decision, and I'll give you my opinion. I do a two weeks out kind of poll, and yeah, not really for voting or anything, but what people think. And really, if I'm going to look at it the way that my listeners and followers are going to it, they are willing to see the Colts draft Anthony Richardson and wait. And I know that's something that you have been steadfast against so far. Well, I, I just uh, – you mean wait until 2024 for him to play? Well, I mean, uh, however long it takes, and it may take that long. But, yes, they are willing some well, – And if you're going to – Say that. I, I would love to know again how they have, like, Richardson and Hendon Hooker ranked if both guys are going to be sort of a red shirt year uh th- then may- maybe hooker's the guy that you really like uh more i, d- I don't know i really don't it's funny i it-, it all depends on how ballard has these guys ranked and evaluated and sometimes over the years desperation drives quarterbacks up the the, the-, the rankings because not enough guys teams have them and 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 I was talking to Bill Pulley the other day. I'm going to do something next week about him. He's, you know, he had Kerry Collins in Carolina, and of course Peyton here. And I said, Bill, is this these four or five quarterbacks? Is this, is this desperation? Or are these guys legit? He said they're legit. He thinks all five of these guys have a chance to be pretty good. And he wouldn't tell me how he had them ranked. I think he likes Hooker a lot. But you know, if if they and what's funny is the closer you get to the draft, now all of a sudden. You know, Carolina likes Bryce Young. Somebody says that they've got information. And if the, and if Carolina takes Young, then Houston's not going to take a quarterback. They're going to take Willie Anderson. And, and then things get really, really crazy. Because all of a sudden, somebody that you didn't think would be there might might be there. But, again, I just don't believe stuff I'm hearing now. I, I just don't. I that, that, You know, Schefter put out there that six teams have, have an interest in the, in the third pick with Arizona. Well, maybe Arizona called six teams and said we've had contact with six teams. So I just don't believe a lot of this. I do believe that Arizona won't pick three. I'm convinced of that. I just don't think they stand pat. I think somebody's going to move up and offer too much for them to turn down. But I have no clue what the coach is going to do. I don't. I Somebody, I was listening to somebody, they said, well, you need to take the best player, the Willie Anderson or a left tackle, and and push the, and kick the quarterback can down the road the next year and get Caleb Williams. Well, there's, there's absolutely no assurance you're going to be in position to be a top one or two team next year. You just don't know. So I, I think they have to make take their swing this year and get the guy, and you sink or swim with him. And, you know, at least you say in three years when it doesn't work, well, we took our shot, and it didn't We believed in the guy. Now, don't don't take one of these guys if you don't believe he can be good enough. Just don't take it just to, to to satisfy the fan base or us. But if you think one of these guys with, with a good supporting cast and Shane Steichen molding him can be good enough, then you take him. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we've got a new GM in three years. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And I've called this an educated guess. Uh, regarding Will Levis at number four. And I think what is interesting and what also fuels my belief as to what Will Levis is going to be at number four for the Colts is because you mentioned Adam Schefter's report about, you know, six teams have showed interest in Arizona or whatever. But you have to admit, there has not been a lot of so-called smoke 
or misdirections, as you might call it, or sandbagging or anything like that. It's just been kind of like people expect the Colts to draft at number four, and that's that. And that kind of fuels, again, my educated guess that they know what they're going to get it for. They know nobody, regardless of somebody that trades up with the Cardinals trading out, will draft Levis at number three, and they're comfortable where they are, and that's their guy. So that's been my educated guess all along, and nothing has really been out there to change my opinion on it. And if they and if they believe that Levis can be, you know, with all of his flaws, all these guys have flaws, but they can fix what's wrong with him and give him, you know, the injuries last year and, and a bad supporting cast that that they, they, they can really mold this guy, then you take it and you don't trade up. Now, again, again, the problem is you don't know what happens at one or two. You, you think you know what's going to happen at one or two, but you don't know. So you have to be prepared you know, to, to change up. Well, what if you really like C.J. Stroud? You really like him, but you expect him to go one or two, and he doesn't. I've seen a few mock drafts where he goes down to the middle of the, first, the, the, middle of the top ten, which I don't think happens. But if you really think that you're going to get your guy at four, then you stay there. If you really think there's a separation between three and four, the quarterbacks, then you move to three to get your guy and you're not left with with, with the last guy because he's the last guy. So it, it's really good. I, I'm really, really interested how Ballard looks at it. We, we talk to him next Friday, a week from tomorrow. He's not going to tell us anything. But, you know – You've got, you've got. The bottom line is they've got to come out of this draft with a guy that can be the quarterback of the future. I just don't see how you keep avoiding that. Not, 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 that sounds like that they've avoided it in the past. You're in position now to solve your problem: a, a top four draft pick, uh, a, a deep quarterback class, and you just have to get up there and, and take your swing and hope like heck that you're right that you're not getting Baker Mayfield. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Somebody asked me a little bit earlier on the show, and I, I didn't give much confidence in my response, asking me how much I felt Gardner Minshew could help this team win if he was called upon this season. And basically what I said was not enough. You buying that too? I mean, just not well, enough like, to be a reasonable thought. Let's just say, hypothetically, you draft Richardson, and he doesn't play at all this year. He sits back and watches. How competitive would this team be with Minshew at quarterback? Seven wins. I mean, if, if things fell and you, and you filled some obvious problems that you have on the roster, seven wins, eight wins sounds to me like a stretch. Uh, because again, you're 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 really counting on the offensive line coming together. You're you're counting on a couple of cornerbacks playing that 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 aren't here yet. I, I think he I, I think he's one of the better bridges they've had here. I really do, but he's not good enough to to, to carry you to the AFC South competition or you know to to, to be there with Jacksonville. I don't know. I I just don't know. But I I do think he would keep them competitive, if you know if he's here last year, and the line works. Well, if the line works, then Matt Ryan was probably good enough last year. Uh, so I don't think he is the level that with, with the way things are structured that he's going to carry to to the AFC South title. I, I don't see that at all. But I but I do think if of course you're saying Graf Richardson and let Minshew play. You know, because I think if Minshew plays, he's going to play well enough that you're not going to have a great draft pick next year. You're going to be in that, you know, the low teens, or, or I guess the high teens, you know, 12, 13, 14, whatever, because I think he's good enough to do that. Jonathan Taylor's going to have a nice bounce-back season. I think he'd be decent, but not not playoff. I, don't, I, I wouldn't see playoff possibilities with him. I, I just wouldn't. Are you surprised that we haven't heard – anymore haven't had any more to go on out of this now again i know when they want to they can keep a secret there's no question about that but there has been little to nothing happening and this may sound a little bit awkward here but do, do they do you think at all they kind of purposely leave jim out of it 
just in case here. I mean, not completely out of it, but you know what I mean? Just in, just to try to keep this as locked down as possible. Just curious. Well, you say, you say that, but then at the owners' meetings, he's the one that sort of really yeah, he was yeah. ex- expanded on, on Lamar Jackson, and, and he's been the – he, he was pretty open about it. Now you didn't. Well, I think no. The Lamar Jackson thing, I understand because there was no way they were going to do that anyway. And there's right. there was just right. no way. I mean, that was kind of a fairy tale that that popped up and and people kind of ran with it. And you and I both had talked about how that was never going to happen. But I think about the draft, it's a little bit different because you hear nothing whatsoever. And it's not. I just because he he does either when asked or sometimes when not, he will. You know, he'll go into a little bit of detail of, of which I'm sure they he'll want give nothing. You something. Yeah, he'll give you something. I, I right. think, I, I, but I think a lot of that's him now. Is he, he, he's not going to, even when he talked at the meetings, he didn't give you, I mean, he didn't really delve into, I like this guy, I like that guy. You know, it, it was more that, you know, we really like draft picks and draft picks are gold and all that. I just think it's, I don't know if they had a meeting and told everybody to shut up and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But it serves nobody any good to leak anything. None. I like this guy a little bit better. We have concerns about this guy. And so, you know, some teams leak. I think when teams leak things now, they're leaking lies. They're leaking smoke. But these guys, you're right. And, again, when we get Chris Bowder next Friday, he ain't going to give us anything. I mean, it's, it's great to talk to him. But he's not going to tell us what. Hey, we could, we could say it forward. We could move up. You know, we could move back. You know, we think we're going to get a great prospect. I mean, we, I, I can write the story right now, and, and that's the way it should be. It frustrates us, but, I mean, any team that leaks anything is crazy. And besides, they're probably leaking lies. I just – it has been – and you're right about that. I, I just – it's just been so quiet with anything. I mean, no rumors yeah. at all, none. Yeah, and again, as, I, as I've said in the past few weeks, when you hear somebody say, well – my cult sources say this. That's BS. Your cult source maybe is a janitor because these guys in mass are not leaking, sharing information because it does them, it does them no purpose to do that. If Anthony Richardson was, you know, kind of in the vicinity of where Jalen Hurts was as a draft selection, if it wasn't so much He'd of a chance that, that high. I mean, would that You'd make it that. more interesting for you? Yeah, uh, and, and again, I was when I was talking to Polly, and he we were talking. He, he said how he liked Hooker, and I said, "Yeah, but you can't take Hooker at, at four. And he said, "Well, why not?" He said, "If you have a guy you think is the guy, you take him, and you don't think twice about it. You know, well, you know, he, that's too early. You know, whether whether Rob Morris or whoever, you, you're taking too soon." No, if you like the guy, you take him, and you don't think twice. You know, why, why would they take a, you know, my scenario, take a, take a left tackle or a defensive end at four and try to get Hooker later on? But what if you don't get him later on? What, what if Tennessee or Vegas or Washington or somebody moves ahead of you and get him? Then you're, then you're sunk. So if you like the guy, you take him. And I, I, I would be shocked if they took Hendon Hooker at four. But, uh, again, I, I, I wish we were two weeks down so that, you know, tonight we're going to find out who they're drafting. But you're, you're right. This is as quiet as it's ever been. Not that these guys have ever leaked much. And the fact that we've not gotten, gotten much from the owner, which is in this is, is a good thing. Let, let him tweet out about his the Ursa collection and where it's going to be next. And I think Chris Bowder would be, would be just fine with that. So Mike Chappell of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. It's um, you, you just kind of look at uh, the the whole thing regarding this quarterback draft and then the rest of the team as it shakes out. What other avenues do you think they need to investigate just besides what they end up doing? Again, sitting here right now at number four to help build this team to the draft. We were we we did a podcast today on on Fox fifty nine with Dave Griffiths and Joe Hopkins and we looked at receivers. The receiver room's a little thin. I mean, again, you know, again, but I'm telling you, look at the cornerback room, and there's like six or seven guys, and one was drafted, one, and that was Isaiah Rogers in, in like the sixth round. The rest of them entered the league as undrafted free agents. 
So that's as that's – I realize they don't play until September and all that, yeah, and they're going to add players, but that's as thin as I can remember a position being at this point after, you know, free agency in quite a while. You know, right now your starters are what, Isaiah Rodgers and either Kenny Moore or, or Dallas Flowers, who <laughs> was your kick returner, uh, who, who played a lot the last month of the season. So that position needs help. Offensive line, they've done nothing at the offensive line, nothing. So I'm, I'm really concerned about that. But, again, it's, I'm sure they've got a plan, and, and we'll see. But if, if Bernard Ryman struggles again, what's your plan B? And if, you know, right now Will Fries is your right guard, but if he – Struggles. What's your, you know, Danny Penner? So, I don't like the depth at corner. I don't like the depth at, the, at all on the offensive line. They need another receiver. I, I wouldn't mind if they keep that second round pick. Take another receiver. You, you know, you're going to go young receiver. Or you're going to go young quarterback. So, don't going to give him, give him some options. Give him some skill players, young skill players. And uh, other than that, you're going to you're going to set him up to fail. So. They've, they've got some really good talent on this roster, and they've got some holes to fill. Man, yeah, no doubt. It, with with Ryman, do you believe what they believe? And this is kind of a twofold question here, too. Do you believe in in what they believe? And I think there's a great deal of hope along with that belief, maybe even more so than the belief they have after a rookie season with Ryman at left tackle. But to me, another educated guess is what they believe in this offensive line, and maybe that's because they haven't really addressed it. They just basically have kept it the same. you got to find a right guard, there's no doubt. But is their belief within that organization now that maybe Tony Sperano Jr. and a different, more mobile, stronger-arm quarterback, no matter who that is, would make this offensive line better? Well, they have to. I mean, nothing else makes sense. You didn't go out and bring in the guard from Philly who got a decent contract, I think. I don't, I don't know where he went. And I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not going to try. But, yeah, and we all were wondering how there wasn't a change that position on the staff, coaching staff last year. I mean, it, 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 it has re, it regressed the last two years, yet they didn't make a change. And I, I do think that they believe that it's going to help to have a, a new voice, a new set of eyes. But having said that, you still have to have those three, you know, cornerstone guys, Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly and Quentin, come back and play at a very, very high level. Play it where they've played, you know, the last – not the last year and a half because they all struggled, I think, at some point. But get back to where they were. And, and then, of course, then Bernie has to play well. And I, I feel better going into this – off season or going into this season with Ryman as my projected left tackle than Matt Pryor. Now that's not exactly high compliment because, you know, I don't, I think we all had questions about Matt Pryor going into the season. He started one game for crying out loud, a left tackle and they made him their left tackle. And I thought over the last half of the season, you know, there were a couple of, you know, there's always a couple of plays that you mess up, but I thought he, I thought Ryman played pretty well. So I feel, you know, I really kind of think that's going to work. You know, it better work. Uh, right guard, if the other four spots work, you know, right guard, you, you can you can find a guy to, you know, as long as he holds his own, you, you can get by there. They used to do that all the time with Howard Budd. You know, I mean, they had some good guards here, but at the same time, he sort of found guards, Ryan Lilges and guys like that. But uh, once again, they're, they're banking on guys – you know, being be that guy, you know, if left tackle doesn't work, the line doesn't work. We saw that last year. So I think as long as, as Bernie comes back and plays well and takes another step in what's, you know, a very, still a very, very young career at left tackle, they'll be fine because I really do think Quentin will play better. I think Ryan Kelly will better. And Braden Smith played pretty well most of the year, I think. It was collectively how bad they were. But, boy, if the line doesn't work, as we saw last year, nothing works. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 with the draft knowledge mixed in with knowledge on porch squirrels right there. And yeah, the eating of peanuts they, to they, varmints around the around his house. You know, it, you know it, it, I don't mind feeding you, but don't harass me. You know, if I'm going to feed you, don't harass me. So I'll be, I, I, I got my antenna up right now. So that's, that shouldn't be – when you're in your home, you should be safe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You shouldn't be looking around for squirrels. You were outside, though, when the squirrel ran across your feet, right? Oh, two of them. 
I heard I heard a little scratch on a crew across there, and I look and there's, you know, Rocky and whoever yeah. running across my my porch, and so I'll be, my, my 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 antenna is up. They won't, you know, they won't get the drop on me again. So Mike Chapel with us. We'll do it again next week, a week away, and then we'll really dive into it two weeks from today. Looking when it's forward just to about it. time. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Any more automotive group hotline from the Indianapolis Star. I don't know if he takes any time off because you've got baseball season, and if he has to cover a track and field event, those things are like nine hours long. Kyle Neddenrip joins us right now. Baseball, softball, track and field, tennis, what do you mostly cover this time of year? Oh, most well, David Woods uh, retired last uh, year, so I, he's helping me out doing some track. I'm going to be doing some track stuff, probably uh, – probably some uh, golf, and then uh, we got uh, Brian Henschen and Akeem Glasby are kind of doing a lot of our softball nice. and uh, baseball stuff. So, yeah, I mean, kind of frees me up to do some some things at, uh, you know, some some track events, and looking forward to that, actually, yeah, I was, getting out and covering some of that. I was at a track event last night. Actually, the Ron Colley softball team and, and uh, King and Rothrock were playing uh, just mm-hmm. across the parking lot. But, yeah, my kid last night ran in the 3200, and I go, what is wrong with you? Why do you want to do this? <laughs> What's happening? I have a kid who's actually pretty good at running, and I don't know why or don't know how that happened. I have no idea. Uh, must have skipped a generation or multiple generations or something. Yeah, I, I, would have, I would have had my nipples chafed and quit, like, in the first half lap, seriously, <laughs> I got man, this hurts too bad. I'm not doing this. Thirty two hundred. So the only time I did track was one, I get tired of baseball. I did track one year and did the uh, long jump, and uh, you know that was enough. Went back to baseball, but uh, but yeah, I my sisters did uh, track and long distance, and and I have nothing but respect for those those kids who do that because that's a that's a lot of work and not a lot of limelight, and it, it's uh, you know it, it's it's a mental sport for sure. So uh, tip my hat to them. It's uh, Kyle Neddenrip of the Star with us. So I got the lowdown about three years ago or so from Ryan Wolf, whose son Reese is a freshman now, a good baseball player, basketball player in his own right at Martinsville, told me about the legend that is Max Clark down in Franklin. And we're just now really starting to get uh, a lot of pub regarding this baseball player down in Johnson County. What have you seen? What do you know about this kid? Well, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, and the cool thing about him is not only is he obviously a big-time baseball player, and he's probably going to go, you know, the top of the draft somewhere, uh, but, but you know, been a multi-sport guy, you know, continued to play football. Yep. You know, he had to fit it into his, uh, you know, his, his national baseball schedule, which he had stuff going on last fall. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's a phenomenal athlete, uh, you know, great uh, – you know, seems like a great kid too. You know, he really gets along well with everybody, and and uh, you know, I think what they're projecting now. And just talking to Akeem actually earlier today about this, but he covers him quite a bit. But you know, he he said, I think there's two college guys who may you know go at the top of that uh, at that draft. But then you know, after that, you know, he could go you know probably three potentially or somewhere in there. Uh, which is a uh, obviously you're going to make a lot of money and, and have a chance to you know you're going to be in the minor leagues first obviously but uh, but yeah I mean it just seems like he's he's one of those guys that you know he, he's he's filled every um, you know every projection of him but he's he's filled it you know and, and to this point at least anyway so but I think it's cool you know the cool thing to me is he's continued to do yep. other sports Agreed. you know and that's that's pretty rare anymore and it's hard to do you know and and I know it's very hard to do but for an athlete like that I think it's cool that he's contributed to his community you know and I know that means something to him so uh, that I you know again that's that's one of the cool things I think that that he's done that uh, maybe others can also look to be able to do I'm glad you brought up staying with the multi-sport format because either 
Either it's frowned upon most of the time, or especially when you get to that level, you're just thinking, all right, I'm not going to mess with anything else. It's going to be full-time here. It's few and far between guys that end up, kids in this case, that end up considering his level of expertise right now at such a young age, continue to play multi-sports in high school. I love that. Yeah, I mean, as you know, and I I remember checking in with him last summer. I was like, you know, Max, you're going to keep, playing football and he's like yeah he's like no doubt I mean I'm gonna keep playing and and uh you know it just it, it meant something to him to do that for his community and his school and and keep playing with the guys he's been playing with and uh you know I thought that was really neat of him but yeah I mean it is and I understand you know it, it's just different you know it's it's year round more than ever uh if you want to even even for some kid not even talking about Max but you know kids who are no more normal athletes, you know, you're going to have to probably choose at some point, especially at the bigger schools where, you know, the competition for even getting on a team, you know, so I, I completely get that. And, uh, but, you know, in Max's situation, he could have easily said, you know what? I mean, obviously, you know, he's, you know, he's going to be, this is his future is baseball. And he could have said to heck with it, you know, that that's what I'm going to do, but he didn't. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm not saying he made the, you know, I'm not saying other kids make the wrong decision necessarily, but I just thought it was neat. You know, a kid in his position did that, and that's something I think a lot of people will probably remember that. You know, when he when his career is over with, um, you know, years from now, it would be like, oh yeah, he's he continued playing and and you know kept playing for his school and and there I think there's something uh, something unique and cool about that, yeah, especially in a world in which it's not done that way. Could you make an argument, Kyle, that the state of Indiana could? might have the best high school softball and baseball players yeah i mean it's, a, it's again you know keegan rothrock from ron collie you know is winning all these national awards and you know and and with max i mean that that you could easily make that uh you know that uh, designation i think and I, I don't even know you know i don't even remember when that could have happened or you know if we've ever been anywhere close to that even in even in other sports you know that so that's just uh you know that that's pretty phenomenal, and two kids who are relatively close, you know, geographically to one another. So you know, it's just it's pretty rare, you know, and and uh, you just even in as great a basketball as we've had around here, it's just it's you know it's obviously you're you're talking about a very small percentage of kids who are even up for that type of designation. But but yeah, I mean that's how 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 cool is that? How rare is that? I I don't even know. You know I can't imagine it's ever happened here, has it? I, mean, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't even think of any anything close to that. Yeah, so, me either. Uh, That's yeah, pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing to think about too. And when we talk about, we've talked about this for years. But the, you know, in terms of football, we've talked about its growth certainly, certainly here because we were always so much known even before you got here as being, you know, so basketball intensive, basketball focused. But you know, the way that football has certainly grown, and then you see, you know, what's happening in in both baseball and softball as well. It's pretty impressive around here. It is. It is, yeah, and some of those sports that probably um, you know don't get the attention or you know, maybe the national recognition, uh, you know, and we've been we've been good at you know for for a long time here, and and you know I think football is one that you know is maybe more. Uh, you know, on the come up here in the last 15, 20 years, as far as the overall number, you know, there's always been good players. It's just maybe the overall number of, of talented players going to play division one now uh, is probably higher than it's it's been in the past. Just the depth of, of classes and guys going to play in the big 10 and things like that. So, um, you know, so I, I, that's a cool thing. And, and, you know, obviously these other sports that are uh, maybe a little bit more out of the limelight too, you know, and track and field, I mentioned David Woods earlier, he's covered a lot of those kids. You know, he always you know he always says in track and field there may not be the depth in Indiana, but the you know Indiana punches above its weight on a national level. You know those kids who who uh, you know the Indiana's been very good at you know the the USA track and field and and uh, you know Olympic. Uh, you know, events and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, that's another sport where, you know, again, it's, it's, it's done really well on a national stage for our state. Kyle Nedrip of the stars on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. I'm assuming this is still at rumor stage and nothing more, but any latest, anything at all regarding the Jeff Teague rumor that's been running rampant as far as going back to his high school at Pike to be the head coach, anything at all? I mean, definitely some some smoke there, and, and I think some interest. Um, you know, last I had, you know, been in conversation uh, over there at Pike, and and it hadn't 
come to fruition as far as, uh, you know, an accepting of the job or even the job being closed as far as that goes, um, you know, so, so that's still sort of in the, you know, in those stages. Um, and, you know, I know there's obviously something, uh, you know, to the rumor and there's interest there. I think they can definitely say that. So, you know, it will be interesting to see. He's been working as a scout uh, with the Atlanta Hawks and uh, been doing that uh, for the last I think two years now, uh, if my timeline's right. So, uh, you know, that obviously if that happens, it would be a huge splash. And, and, uh, you know, that's, a <laughs> that would be a really big, uh, big deal. I think for Pike, um, you know, now it does it, how does it translate? I don't know. You know, it's, it's, you don't know. I mean, there's a, but I think it would generate some excitement as far as the program goes. And, you know, I know a lot of those players over the years that, uh, you know, Pike basketball means a lot to, and there's a ton of success uh, in their in their past history, and even recently, you know, have been a really good program. Uh, went to the state finals in uh, 2012, and then you know had some really good teams that have been knocked off in the, in a really tough sectional by you know, some good Southport and Ben Davis teams over the years too. But but uh, yeah, I think that would do a lot. You know, if it does happen uh, to to generate a lot of interest in the program, and and Sean Teague has been you know he's been the assistant over there under Bill Zick, so. So, you know, there's some continuity uh, with the Teague family even uh, over at Pike. So, you know, and, and uh, you know, they are – I went over there, I think it was right during the pandemic even in 2020 and wrote a story about the factory over there on the west side where, you know, Sean and Marcus and and, uh, and Jeff uh, got that thing off the ground. And, you know, so they're entrenched in the on the west side and, and you know, people know them. You know, they're, I think they – uh, obviously their name carries a lot of weight as far as that goes in high school basketball and, and certainly at Pike. So, you know, if that does happen, I think it'd just be, it'd be really interesting. And, uh, you know, we'd definitely be curious, you know, what happens next with that program because there are, there's some good talent always in, in the Pike system. So, uh, you know, there's, there's always players and, you know, it's just a matter of uh, kind of turning the corner. You're in a, you're in a sectional again and a, your rival Ben Davis is, is going 33 and 0. So I know, uh, a lot of the Pike alumni, you know, are right. uh, are wanting to go head to head and, and beat them. So, you know, when you see a rival doing that well, I, I think it kind of gets the uh, blood going a little bit. Hey, Kyle, final quick thing here: um, really, a high level of high level job openings in high school basketball at the end of the high school basketball season. Is there a reason for this, or is it just a coincidence in this off season? <laughs> You know, that's a good question. I talked to people about that, and I, I think it's more coincidence, but, you know, we did a, a story during the season about sort of some of the issues, uh, high school coaches, you know, what what's your, your number one issue you're dealing with? And we did it anonymously, but but it was interesting to read, you know, some of those things that, you know, the it's the time commitment, it's the, the parent, uh, you know, um, issues at times. Not all, not all programs have that, not all parents are bad necessarily at all but uh, but I know it can weigh on coaches and I think that's why you see coaches probably uh, getting out earlier uh, than they do but you know I know coach Gooden over at, at Lawrence Central he he thought about uh, um, retiring at, at one point and you know so I wasn't surprised by that one necessarily and Mark James uh, you know Perry Meridian just not a lot of, of talent right now and he wants to coach again and and I think he will um but then you had you know that that Mount Vernon opening that you know that is a huge uh that's a really good job you know I know there's a lot of interest in that job as well um you know so I think it's it's partly some of that and then partly just kind of coincidence this year but there is a lot I mean Southport's open uh like I mentioned Perry Pike um you know a lot of a lot of local is Warren uh, still open too Warren is open, correct? Yeah, that one's open. Uh, you know, that's that's a job that's had some turnover here in the last uh, you know several years. Uh, LC uh, open? LC's open. Yeah, Coach Good stepped down. I knew there's a reason yeah. why I asked you that. That's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It's yeah. more than I can remember, at yeah. least as far as the big jobs go. So yeah, that it is interesting, and and who knows that where guys end up going could create more uh, domino effect uh, that way. So uh, it keeps uh, keeps me busy, I guess, or keeps <laughs> yeah, keeps keeps the uh, you know keeps the wheels turning as far as uh, basketball goes, anyway. So. Always awesome to have you on, man. Thanks for uh, talking this up. We'll have you back once um, we get a little bit deeper in this baseball season because I do find it interesting that, you know, you can make a really strong argument that you have in this state and in this area, really from Johnson County, because I know Keegan 
goes to Ron County, but I believe Keegan is from Johnson County, and Max Clark is from Johnson County, I believe, that you have two Johnson County natives that could be the best in softball and in baseball in high school in this nation, and that's a hell of an honor right there. That's pretty cool. It is really cool. Yeah, I agree, and uh, yeah, as always, appreciate you having me on, John. Anytime. Thank you, Kyle. You bet. We'll see you.